Ezekiel chapter 2. One verse, verse number 9. Ezekiel simply said, And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent to me. That's all I want to read. Behold, a hand, one translation said, reached for me. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I think that you will find that the record of every great soul has also had its great crisis. Every good life faces its battles and its storms. It is amazing what a storm can do to change your perspective on life. It's amazing what a little trouble can do to somebody. Amazing as a pastor to watch people that go through crisis. I couldn't beg them to pray. If I got on my hands and knees and crawled back to their pew, they wouldn't pray. But you let a storm break in their life. And they're blubbering all over the front of the church and calling on the phone, pray for me. It's amazing what a storm can do to change your perspective on life. It'll rearrange your values. It will change how you look at life. When you're going through a storm, there are things that at other times you would probably ignore. You wouldn't even give it the time of day. You wouldn't even deem it of any value. You would look at it as inadequate or you would even scoff at it. But put that same person in the middle of a storm and suddenly there is a new interest. To most people, broken pieces of a vessel would not be much to look at and they certainly wouldn't be worth very much, just part of a plank here and part of a plank there. And yet for those men that were found in the waters of the Mediterranean Sea in the book of Acts chapter 27, those pieces seemed awfully important to them. Under any other circumstance, men would have ignored it. They wouldn't have even given it the time of day. They would have viewed it as what it was. It was just riffraff. It was just the debris of the sea. It was something that most would consider to be driftwood. But a storm changed everything. And suddenly what you would have discounted and counted of no value and you wouldn't have given it the time of day, suddenly how important it became to those men who were trying to survive a storm because the storm changed everything. It changed their perspective. It changed their perception of what really mattered. It changed their, 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 their values and what counted at that time. And when they saw that board drifting by, all of a sudden it wasn't just a piece of anything. It was their way of getting out. It was their way of survival. 
Don't ever discount the day of small things. Amen. You may not be in a storm tonight, but you give life long enough and you will be. And if you're not careful, you can develop an attitude in life that those little things that God sends your way to help you get through are not adequate enough. I need something deeper. I need something a little more meaty. I, I need a better sermon. I, I need a better preacher. I, I need somebody that can explore the deep things of God. God sends a simple word. God sends just a plank or a board drifting by. Instead of us reaching out and taking hold of it, we look for something bigger and better. But you get deep enough in a storm and you'll reach for anything. Amen. You'll reach for anything. A storm changes everything. Your perception, your perspective on life, all of that can change. For Ezekiel, life had changed quite drastically from what he had known. For 25 years of his life, he had lived in the city of Jerusalem, the place of his birth. It was a holy city. It was a blessed place. But because of the failures and the sins of men before, God had put judgment upon Jerusalem and upon his people. And now the Babylons had come. The Babylonians had come. And these men and their families were being transported to another part of the world. And so for Ezekiel at the age of 25, he was carried away captive taken with his family to a far place. I, I don't know how far Babylon was from Jerusalem, but it was a good distance away. Captivity had taken them from their homes and from the familiar surroundings of life. The misery of being displaced in an evil environment, I'm certain, was a pressure in itself. At the young age of 25, he found himself among the refugees on the river Chebar. And the psalmist said that those who sat there were asked of their captors, Can you not sing for us your song in the land of your captivity? And they said, We have hung our harps on the willows because there is nothing to sing about. And yet, in that condition and in that environment the bible says that god spoke to ezekiel he came to a man who was struggling with a people who were struggling and he came with a word of encouragement i read ezekiel 2 a few weeks ago and when i read it it just got hold of me the simplicity of it, and yet the profound truth that it seems to speak to my heart, that in a moment of uncertainty and in a time that was unsettled and unsure, Ezekiel turned, and the Bible says when he turned, there was a hand stretched out to him. How simple and yet how profoundly moving that picture is to me. A hand reaching out to this exile. 
a simple gesture, and yet it speaks volumes to me tonight. It speaks much of my God and his care for my soul. That hand simply meant that somebody knows. Somebody knows where I am. Somebody knows my location. In spite of being transplanted from my home to this God-forsaken country and feeling all alone amid these Babylonian heathens, there was a hand that reached out to him. And in reaching out to him, somehow God let Ezekiel know that I know. I know where you are. I haven't lost your address. I, I haven't lost you in the shuffle of life. There is a knowledge of God toward us that encourages me tonight that when life turns upside down and I sometimes wonder if God may have lost my address, I turn and there's a hand reaching out to me. Oh, thank God that he knows where I'm at tonight. Amen. In the month of December, in this time when it's so easy to lose focus and get caught up in the whirl of life and get caught in the trap of spending more than we make. Yeah, spending more than we have, trying to buy happiness, trying to make our family happy. My God, <laughs> trying to make our kids happy. Yeah, go in debt and it'll take us half of next year to pay off. May ruin our life for 10 years, but we'll sell our soul to the merchants of December. In the midst of all of that, it's comforting when you turn and you see a hand reaching out to say, hey, I know where you're at. I know, you're, I know the bills that you're juggling right now. I know the pressures that you're under with your job. I know the threats that your job have made against you. I know the possibility of losing a job. I know what it means for you to not have enough to go around. A hand was reaching out to Ezekiel. Man, what a picture. What a powerful powerful picture to me of someone trying to get a message to another the encouragement that it must have brought to Ezekiel knowing that God knows where I am here in this God forsaken place by a river called Chebar God knows where I am Amen. am I the only one that ever wonders if God's lost my address Am I the only one that's prayed and get up from praying and wonder why you even wasted your time? You never waste your time, but you know what I mean. Am I the only one that's ever just looked around in life and thought, God, do you even remember my name? It's been so long since I've heard from you. It's been so long since you've whispered my name. And then turning, I see a hand. I feel that hand. 
It happens in the middle of a service. It happens when we're around the altar. It happens when I just lift up my hands. I don't even know why, but maybe out of habit, maybe out of ritual or rote, but I'm so accustomed to do it, I can't keep myself from it. But somehow in that simple gesture of reaching out, I turn and there's a hand reaching that said, Hey, I still have your address. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're battling. I know what you're dealing with. I know about the depression. I know about the fear. I know about all the questions that are in your mind. I know about all of the things that you wonder. How could God be in all of this? A hand was reaching out to him. Thank God for that hand. Amen. That hand that reached out to him not only meant that God knew where he was, but it meant that somebody cared. Amen. Somebody cares. Somebody cares enough to touch me. Somebody cares enough to even look my way. Somebody cares enough to reach out to me. Somebody cares enough to encourage me. A hand that reaches out to my life to steady me and say, it's going to be all right. A hand that reaches out when my soul is trembling and I don't know what to do next and said, calm down, it's going to be all right. A hand that reaches out and touches my soul when I am fevered with fear and I am so anxious that I don't even know how to say my own name. There's a hand that reaches out and places itself upon my soul and said, hey, calm down now. Everything's going to be all right. Praise God. Praise God. Don't go into a panic. Don't throw it all away. Don't walk away. Just hang on. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. I'm thankful for a hand that reaches when you're unsure of life and you don't even know the next step to take. I'm thankful that at times like that, there's a hand that's reaching out to me. Amen. I'm thankful that there's a hand that steadies my life when things are shaking Amen. When things are shaking. Amen. When things are upside down, life has turned inside out. You don't have a job and you don't have a prospect of a job or your family is looking like it's going to go down and everything that you work for is going to be lost. It's good to turn and see a hand reaching. Lay that hand on you and steady you and, and calm you and reassure you that everything's going to be all right. Amen. A hand that calms my fears and cheers my soul and uplifts my spirit. God is there. He is there where you are. He is in your Babylonian captivity. He's right in the middle of your problem. Amen. I'm so thankful. You know, he's got to be close if he's reaching out to you. You can't touch somebody sitting on a throne. You can't touch somebody when you're inhabiting the universe. In order to touch me, he's got to get close enough to me. He can do that. Amen. And so this hand that reaches out somehow lets Ezekiel know, I'm not up there, Ezekiel. I'm right here. Amen. I'm right where you are. Somebody say, God's right where I am right now. He's right where you are right now. There's a hand that's reaching. It comforts. 
a hand that reaches out to guide us through uncharted territory. Ezekiel had never been in this kind of place. He knew how to function in Jerusalem. He knew how to get along in the place of his birth, but he didn't know how to get along in Babylon. But there was a hand on him, a hand that directed him, a hand that led him, a hand that walked him through 23 years of ministry in Babylonian captivity. And he never lost faith, and he never lost confidence in God, and God never lost his address. Oh, oh yes, 23 years. 25, he goes into Babylonian captivity at the age of 30. God calls him to be a priest and a minister and a messenger and a prophet to his people. From that time on, God never failed him. God never left him. God never forsook him. He guided his steps through all of those years. And when he came to the end, he was still hanging on and holding on to the promises of God. God took him in in seven years after being called by God. The tragedy of all tragedies struck. He lost his wife, unexpectedly died. He didn't have time to mourn her passing. God's hand was on him. You read in chapter 7, I believe it is, of her death. You read in chapter 9 of God's hand coming one more time to Ezekiel and guiding him through these troubled waters. Don't, don't sit there and feel like that you're the lone ranger and, and, and nobody knows what you're going through. Yes, God knows because he's right there with you. He's not directing from somewhere in some ecclesiastical position as God of the universe, but He is down among us. The promise of His birth was that it would be God with us, not God around us or near us or somewhere close by, but God with us, with us in the most troubling times of our life with us when we can't even go to sleep at night because we're so troubled about what is before us. With us when we don't even know how to answer the questions. Amen. Have you ever been in a place in life where you didn't even know how to answer the questions that were being thrown at you and you know you knew the answer? Anybody ever ever be there ever been there? Be there? Anybody ever been in a place where your mind could not function because the pressure that was on you was so great? Amen. And Ezekiel turned, and there was a hand reaching out. Amen. It's going to be all right, Ezekiel. I'm here. I'm never going to leave you. A hand that encouraged him. Sometimes we need that kind of hand. Amen. We need a hand to reach out to us and encourage us. When we pray and nothing seems to happen, amen, we need a hand that reaches out. When we keep praying and nothing still happens, I know some of you don't ever get that far probably. You pray and you don't get it, you just quit. But there are people that, I shouldn't have said that, but the truth is some of us quit way too soon. But even for those that don't quit, that keep praying and nothing happens, and you keep praying and nothing changes, 
and you keep praying and you keep sending the messenger, see what's out there. See if there's any sign. See if there's any evidence that God's heard my prayer. And he comes back and all he can say is nothing. 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 After a while, you get tired of hearing that. You know, there's some things I just get tired of hearing. Don't tell me that again. And yet every time he came back, it seemed that all he could tell him was what wasn't there. And then that seventh time, he said, go one more time. Oh, I love the scripture. I love the Bible. I love what the Bible said. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, and he said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a thundercloud arises. Behold, the sky is filled with cloud. No. He said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. like a man's hand. And when, when Elijah heard that, he just reached up and grabbed the hole and locked in with that hand. And he said, come on, get up. We got to go. It's about to rain. God knows how to get where you are with what you need, when you need it, and pick you up and carry you on to the next stage in your life. All it takes was a hand. Amen. I don't need his whole body. Just as long as I can see his hand. Amen. I've said it before. I don't need words. Sometimes I just need a word. But if I can have just one word, that hand is enough for me to reach out and take hold of and say it's going to happen. Sometimes that's all you can get is a handful. Amen. But a handful was enough. That's all that was left in the meal barrel was a handful. But somehow another hand kept reaching, putting another handful back in it. It never got more than that. It was only a handful. But every time she went back, She got another handful because there was a hand refilling that vessel. Thank God for a hand that reaches out to us. Amen. Come on, clap your hand and pray. Amen. Anybody praise him tonight. I'm going to close. Ernest Shackleton was an Anglo-Irish explorer who participated in four expeditions to the Arctic, which he led three of them himself. During those first expeditions in the early 1900s, he and his companion 
set a new southern record by marching through territory that had never been traversed before. During the second expedition in 1907, and three companions with him, they established a new record for the farthest south latitude that had ever been reached. For those achievements, he was applauded and knighted by the, by the queen and king of England. And after the race to the South Pole had ended in December of 1911, by the conquest of another man on the same mission, Shackleton set his face and his attention to crossing the Antarctic from sea to sea via the pole. To this end, he made preparations and for what became known as the Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition, he set out. But it wasn't long into his journey that disaster struck and the ship called the Endurance that they sailed on was trapped in an ice pack and slowly began to be ground to powder. The crew escaped by camping on the sea ice until it disintegrated and then by launching the lifeboats to reach Elephant Island which was some 720 nautical miles in which they rode. He chronicled his journey. You can find it in his memoirs and you can find it even in a recent movie that was produced called The Endurance. The exploits of this man are astonishing. His leadership skills are those that men study even to this day, how he kept them together. They did not lose any crew members. They were able, against the most brutal and harsh conditions, to find a way to get through. And it was Shackleton who was responsible for that. But it was during these trials that he had in which he recalled a very strange and haunting sense that there were more than three in their party. He said there were times in their journey that he was certain that there was another presence. He could not explain it, but he said it was as real as if a literal human being were there with him. Afterward, he would write, at times the feeling was so strong that he would literally turn, expecting to find some phantom person beside him on that frozen tundra. On one occasion, when he and his small party were roped together and they were marching through the fog and the cold of that bitter environment. Darkness had surrounded them and they could not even see the next step in front of them. Gingerly making his way along, Shackleton said he literally felt something stop his foot from taking the next step. And so they simply stood their ground for a few moments and then suddenly the wind parted the clouds and the moon shone through 
And when they looked down, there was this deep crevice that if they had taken the next step, being tied together by the ropes, he would have pulled all of them to their death. What are you saying, Brother Hughes? I'm saying that Shackleton discovered what Ezekiel discovered in a Babylonian captivity, that if you're at the South Pole or you're in the most harsh of environments, God is not afraid to be there with you. And He will stay you. He will keep you. He will protect you. He will oversee your life. He will not suffer your foot to slip and fall. Thank God for a hand that reaches out. And when I'm about to take a step, Amen. When I'm about to make a move, I don't need to make. My God, mercy. When I'm about to to do something that I, I really shouldn't do, but I feel pressure like I've got to do something. And suddenly there is this force, there is this presence, there is this power. You can't explain it, you can't describe it. All that you know is there's somebody else here besides us. Amen. Thank God he's here right now. Oh, I wish you would praise him right now with me. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you.